are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit organization Win Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global product lead at Win by Night and product manager by day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the Win Win Women in Innovation podcast. If you're new here, literally, what were you doing not listening to this podcast? We cover all things innovation, career trajectories in the innovation space, whether that's startups or innovation consulting or innovation roles in large corporations and Fortune 500s. We have some pretty amazing senior level women join us and tell us about their experiences with all of the above. So, welcome. Today's guest is Lisa Wang, and outside of being an investor and a brand marketing advisor in Web3 and crypto, she is many things that define an innovation career. Lisa is a board member and contributor to Fast Company. She was previously heading up brand and communications at Republic, the investing platform, and she was also advising them on their crypto arm, Republic Crypto. Along with her very renowned career and even being a Forbes 30 Under 30 recipient, she is a four times USA national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast and is a soon to be published writer of her book, The Bad Bitch Business Bible. I hope you understand from this intro alone what a holistic, interesting, exciting conversation Lisa and I had. And before I hand it over to this episode, I will say that crypto is definitely a hot topic and a topic that can feel really contentious for people. I think some of you listeners may or may not know, I worked in crypto for a year while I was in grad school, so I have tremendous respect for the space and I'm excited for what is to come in it. But I also went from crypto to working in the traditional banking space because I do see opportunities for innovation in some of these fundamental infrastructures that currently exist. And so I personally believe that innovation in the sector can happen in more ways than one. I share this because my takeaway with Lisa was more about the curiosity and the importance of women keeping up with the Web3 and crypto space and finding their own ways to be involved versus preaching crypto as a solution to all innovation and all problems in life. She's super inspiring and I'm really pumped for you to hear that episode. And one other thing to mention is that she brings up her Bitcoin workshop, which actually happened last week instead of later in Feb as we anticipated, but I'm sure she will be running more workshops. So definitely check out her website and her socials to join in on the next one if that is of interest to you. Have a wonderful week, and I hope this episode is a great way to kick it off. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the Win Win Podcast. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you, and you're a fellow podcaster, so as I was telling you offline, this is this better be good sound quality. You're also my first uh, Web3 crypto guest, and, and you have such a varied background that honestly, I just want to dive in and unpack it all, so let's do it. Something that probably feels like a lifetime away or perhaps not with all of your endeavors in writing and your book coming out soon, but you majored in literature for your undergrad degree. Personally, I feel that reading is a critical skill that teaches you to process and distill information. It fosters curiosity, but I'd really love to hear from you what your experience was like transitioning from a humanities degree to a full-fledged career in business. 
Yeah. Well, I think when I went into literature, I feel like I stumbled into it uh, mainly because I was indecisive and I just knew I loved reading. I loved psychology. I loved analyzing characters. Like I've always loved observing people and books were an opportunity for me to really dive in and understand Uh, the psychology of how characters overcame challenges, how they fell and got back up again, how they solved problems. And I think a lot of that, uh, if you're not encountering it in real life, you know, you, you get a lot more data points that teach you how people function. What are the underlying drivers of fear, of joy, of envy, competition, whatever it is that uh, drive people to make irrational decisions. And as we know, business, stock market, investments are often driven by irrational human behavior. Actually having that humanities background is very unique and finally appreciated in the more technical space because, I mean, especially in crypto, um, what's different, I think, than in Web 2 was that um, in Web 2, where there's this uh, proliferation of software engineers and this focus on tech and the builders and the developers, the marketers, the communicators, the community builders were kind of like secondary Mm-hmm. But in Web3, in crypto, it's it's like the the developers and the technical builders, like they're the ones who created the infrastructure. But now in order for crypto to reach mainstream adoption, you need the great communicators. The creators. You need mm-hmm. The creators, the community builders. And so it's it's one of those things where it's like you connect the dots looking backwards. And I was like, sure. suddenly my branding, marketing and media capabilities come into handy because you've got all these technical guys who don't know how to communicate and need their projects to grow. I could not agree with that more. But but one thing that, that stood out to me is that you've really always been very entrepreneurial and tied to the startup space. To call a few things out, you built an on-demand Munchies app, which love that. Uh, You launched SheWorks, which got acquired. You're an investor and more. For as long as I remember it, the faces of entrepreneurship have been white males in hoodies. Um, So I guess when you started out, uh, and even as you went on in the space of entrepreneurship, did that ever seem like a roadblock to you? And if it did, how did you get past it? Yeah, I mean, that's why I started SheWorks, because that was prior to Me Too, where there wasn't really any conversation. There weren't really any communities where women were sharing their stories. And so I think as as a female entrepreneur, even back then, you felt really isolated and you felt alone. And when you experienced any sort of harassment during the fundraising process, there's a tendency of women as a result of the way society has brainwashed us is to blame ourselves and to say, like, what did, what did I do to have this happen to me? In the beginning, it was, you know, things like being assumed that I was the assistant just because I looked the way that I did. And with that early stage when I was still learning to build confidence as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as uh, you know, just someone new in the space, I definitely saw it as a hindrance, being a woman, being a woman of color, and being young. I think what happens after you've been in the space for a bit is that there's a moment where you just are 
tired and you're like, I'm done with this. Like I'm done mm-hmm. feeling this way. I'm done of this with the same old story of saying like, I'm not good enough. I, 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 I think it's like where you see women uh, falling into their own trap of self-sabotage is when they tell the story over and over again that I'm a victim. Oh, he didn't fund me because I'm a woman. He didn't do this because I am a minority, which is, which is a place of victim mentality. And so how do you transform from victim mentality to heroin mentality where you're like, I'm in control of my own reality. And actually, I'm going to view my physical manifestation as a woman, as a, you know, whatever I look like, as a superpower and watch them try to diminish me, watch them overlook me. And then the moment I speak up and I know my shit and I know the opportunity that I'm bringing to the table, it's really their loss if they aren't able to see it. And I think that's a really powerful mental shift that takes practice and time as women build up their own internal self-worth and confidence. But really that's, I think, the transformation that I've gone through, almost becoming not, not immune to the fact that there's like that I'm quote unquote different than the majority, but actually just seeing it as like, I have an advantage here because they will assume, they will assume less and that will just be their disadvantage. You know, in this podcast, we always talk about obviously the role of gender in somebody's career and innovation. And I've had several guests come on and say that the the transition for them was actually when they tried to decouple gender from their success or gender from their failure. And I think that's a really, really interesting take. And I also think it ties into a little bit of a conversation around branding and personal branding as a part of business and a part of innovation. I know that outside of your investing work, your role is deeply rooted in in branding, marketing, and communications. Um, most recently, you were heading up brand and communications at Republic, a startup investing platform which democratizes investing as well as coaching women on their personal brand and, of course, advising fintech and crypto startups. So when you think about taking it one step further, you know, outside of just getting out of your own head and, and really becoming the heroine of your story, what do you think the role of branding and personal branding is in innovation specifically? So I think I'll talk about it from two angles. Uh, the first is from the personal brand perspective, since you know we want to talk about how uh, women can empower themselves. Your brand is the manifestation of the most, like the the most powerful and authentic version of you. You know, when you look at my brand on my my personal brand on my website at lisawang.co, um, when you look at my Instagram at Lisa Carmen Wang, it's like there are many, many sides to me, just like there are many, many sides to every human. But I have chosen for my brand to represent um, three core themes that I focus on. One, which is women. Two, is money. And three, is power. And in particular, I I remember like I, I've always been really interested in the psychology of power because for a long time early on in my life, I felt powerless. Here I am feeling powerless. I want to like, who's, who is that most, the highest and most powerful version of Lisa that I could become? And I started visualizing and manifesting that woman so much so that I am her today, but it's, you know, that, that powerless girl 
like just wanted a powerful role model who was financially free and independent and empowering Mm -hmm. women. And so that's the personal brand and the message that I put out there. And everything, every piece of content is consistent with that women, money, power theme. And so I think the same thing is for these like tech companies and a lot of these tech companies, um, cause they're, you know, they're built by developers who aren't really necessarily thinking about the big why, like, why does this matter? Why do you have to exist when there's all these other companies doing something similar? What they're focused on is the what, the mechanics, the how does it work? But if you've ever seen, um, you know, the golden circle, which is like, it all starts with why. With the why, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Simon Sinek's golden circle. And so with branding, like everything that I do when I sit down with companies is we start, we go back and we distill, why do you as a company have to exist? How are you different from anyone else? What, what are your values that you stand for? And who specifically is your target market? How are you going to, are you going to make them feel excited? Are they going to feel like empowered because of your your simple UI UX. And so we actually, in, in some ways it's weird because it's like, when you think innovation, you think, okay, what's the next big best thing? When in fact, if you innovate without having the fundamental foundation of your why and your values, and you're not grounded in that, that's actually where, like, I think companies don't, they don't exist for long because you can only stay excited for so long about the how things work, which is like the plumbing. People stay long-term because they feel connected to the mission. And that's what the brand is, a manifestation of the greater vision and mission of what the world could be. Right. And you see so many companies that, like you mentioned, have done the same things. Like people think about Facebook as the OG social network, but, you know, talk about MySpace, talk about all these other companies that came before it, but they had a very clear message and a very clear brand. And I'd say the same thing for something like a Robinhood, right? You know, Robinhood is by by many measures problematic, but I do think it created this very open access to people feeling like the stock market was something that wasn't so removed from them. And I do think that they did that with such a strong brand presence, which really, in my opinion, is a large portion of the innovation. One other thing I wanted to touch on in relation to this conversation around personal branding is, is what you said is across all of your channels, you're telling this story. And I think a story that you're recently working in or a space that you're recently working in and and talking about a lot is, as we've talked about at Web3 and crypto, it's interesting because it is a very young space. And so being an authority or an expert on it, to me is something, you know, it's almost laughable, uh, because it's just not been around for long enough. Yet I feel like you've really, you know, you found this passion and you've positioned yourself as an expert. So talk to me about how how you've really approached that and, and really making that your brand and now innovating in the space? Yeah. Well, I think because I'm not technical, you know, the, the space is full of technical jargon. It is very Mm -hmm. off-putting if you don't come from it or if you're a newbie. And so I felt that too, initially of maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not one of them. And, you know, the them was, 
your typical crypto investor is a 38-year-old white male making over 100K a year. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's at this point still about 80, 70% of the industry. I was in and around the space for a few months where I was kind of just observing and seeing like, where is an opportunity? And I think what I actually was struggling with was, why does this matter? Again, going back to that, the the fundamental purpose. I'm like, why does a JPEG matter? Sure. Why do people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars? Is it just hype? Is it another Dogecoin? Like, I don't... And I think that's where people people stop. They're like, skepticism, I'm not into it. And then they stop and they go on their merry way and do whatever it is they do on normal day. I continue to hang around the space because I noticed how many smart, interesting, and creative people were attracted to the space. So I was like, even though I don't fully get it right now, I'm going to keep listening because of the types of people that are drawn into the space. And then I think what really clicked for me was seeing the amount of energy going into the um, women-led NFT projects. And I think what people are still seeing, they're like, okay, I still don't get why one of these projects will mint 10,000 female NFTs. They kind of look the same. But if you actually dig into the community, you'll find very, very energetic, collaborative women who, for the first time, I think like we've really seen this is they are so, so supportive of each other because, Mm. and this is where the blockchain comes in because as the project succeeds, everyone in the community succeeds, everyone profits. So of course there, there's an actual incentive for you to be an engaged part of the community, to invest in other women led projects. And what, what it dawned on me was that, NFTs, it's not about the JPEG. So forget trying to understand why a JPEG is valuable. It's actually the fact that this is essentially overturning venture capital as we know it. Because these women-led projects, they will, they're essentially raising a seed round from Twitter, from the community. You know, they'll raise right. hundreds of thousands of dollars. And guess what? You never had to pitch a VC. You never had to step into an office of a man. All you had to do was set up a Discord, not all, but you know, you had to set up a Discord channel. You had to build your Twitter and you had to be actively contributing value to the community. You had to be actively supporting other women. And what's also very interesting is that all the women-led projects, unlike most of the male-led projects, all have a charitable component. So it's like when, as a woman, you're investing in, say, the Women Rise NFT, which just sold out um, you know, this past week, they have different milestones. Of, at each milestone where you get funded, they're giving back to women and girls education charities. Then they're going to create you know, other opportunities to give to other charities. Then they're going to create you know, potentially an investment vehicle where all the members of the community can contribute. And so when you think about the venture capital landscape, where it is the boys club, we're always talking about 94% men, how many years is it going to take to get more female venture capitalists? Well, what this has just done is it's, it's sped up, like essentially angel investing and crowdfunding on the blockchain, because Mm -hmm. anyone can buy a JPEG, you know, can buy into a community that, and the, the JPEG is basically a membership access and they can fund the project 
the startup essentially that they care about and they're getting perks and as they're becoming successful, it's like they're getting equity, right? They're getting increased value. And so that's when it really occurred to me that like, this is a revolutionary new way where women can raise money for projects they care about to give back. And they literally don't even have to touch the boys club. Like we're actually building our own table. It's, it's incredible. And I never thought about it that way, which is why it's so exciting to have you come and share this with not just with me, but with our thousands of listeners. But I think about that statistic all the time of 2% of venture capital funding last year went to women funded companies. Like, of course, that's a horrifying statistic. And we should be tackling this problem on all ends of that. But at the same time, to your point, when you don't have a table to sit at, why don't you build your own? And I think that's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. And so I know that you are writing a book with HarperCollins about women in business. You've been an advocate of women in business, as we've discussed. And of course, you're launching your own podcast, which is all about empowering women and having conversations with women. So I'm really curious to hear about what you think some of the differences in male and female leadership are that are really important to highlight. And do you think that it's important for women to strive to take on differently? leadership styles than men. Yeah. Initially to answer that, um, I'll first say that the the book that I'm writing is called The Bad Bitch Business Bible. And yes. I'm launching the podcast, Bad Bitch Empire. And I say that a bad bitch is a woman who unapologetically takes charge of her body, her boundaries, and her bank account. And you need all three of those to really unleash the most powerful and authentic version of you. And so when I think about what it means to be a woman, and in particular, a, a woman in leadership, I definitely think women have different and unique skills and superpowers that only women have. I mean, if we just start off with the fact that, like, I think the biggest lie that's ever been perpetuated is that women are weak, or that our style is weak, or that femininity is weak. But I do think that naturally, women want to collaborate. Right. Naturally, we, you know, we tend to be more emotionally aware, emotionally intelligent. We tend to want to connect with others and, you know, ask, how are you feeling? Not just like, what deal are you in? You know, how, who are you partnering with? There, there's more heart and there's more soul. And so we tend to be better communicators, better community builders. And I think that a lot of that comes from even just the fact that we were given the ability to birth children into the world. Sure. You know, there there is this fundamental biological difference, which is that we were endowed with that power. And I think that that power perhaps puts something in us that says this natural seed in us that wants to create a better world for our children and our grandchildren and future generations that like we just naturally think about Mother Earth. Um, and I think that to be able to harness that as women and recognize that as essential leadership traits that need to exist for this next generation of leaders. It's like, you can start, you don't need to wait for someone to tell you that, oh, those are, those are strong skills to have, you know, it's to give okay you that permission. That yeah. You don't need that permission. You can today say, actually, I am going to honor and realize how powerful I am. Like this emotional intelligence and awareness, like that's going to give me an advantage 
in these investment rooms, in these deals. That's going to give me an advantage as an entrepreneur. And so a lot of it, I think, is just for women stepping up and really owning some of those natural traits that we may have falsely even labeled ourselves as weak or not good enough, which I know I did for a long time when I was like, oh, shoot, I should have, I should have majored in like a hard science. I should have majored in something else. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, there's a lot of people who I I don't want to be a coder. You know, I know there's a lot of people who for that, for them would be a great role. But for me, it's like, I love creating art and weaving stories with words. Um, And that's something that's a pretty unique talent. I resonate with that so much. It's funny because I'm actually starting a Python course um, and it's not because I want to switch onto the programming side of things. I'm a product manager, uh, but really because I saw that, you know, there was something holding me back, having an insecurity of, of not having a technical background. And I thought about it long and hard. And I thought that outside of like the optics of that, I felt like it was important for me to just get familiar enough to say, I no longer need to have that insecurity. I feel like I've checked off this gap that I see and and I'm kind of moving past it. But at the same time, I know what my brand is. I know what I bring to the table and really separating those two things. I guess on that other note, as far as, you know, opportunities to learn and grow, I know we've talked about, you know, the role that women need to play in their own development and their leadership. And we've, and we've talked about crypto and all of the exciting things that you're kind of working on, you know, in the hopes of getting more women to bridge those two things. Is there something that women can do today to kind of embark on their Web3 crypto journey? Well, the first thing that I would recommend is definitely getting on Twitter. I, as someone who is a more of an Instagram user myself, I found Twitter quite intimidating. But I think the first thing is to start following some female-led NFT projects like World of Women, like Women Rise NFT, um, Rebel Society. Uh, there's some there's some really cool ones, and actually join their Discord groups and see you know what is. What is the conversation all about? I think once you as women like see that there are some very, very welcoming female communities in the space, it feels very different than just trying to like watch a YouTube video on what is blockchain. Like that's, I think I remember I watched like 10 YouTube videos on what is blockchain and I was like, I still don't get it. Like I still don't get it. Um, and so that's not going to change your mind about anything. It's, it's really going to be the, the people and the vibe and the energy. And, um, that's what's, what really started getting me excited where I was like, oh, there's a lot of like-minded women who all want to create impact and do good and super ambitious. So that's one, just to like start going down the rabbit hole yourself. Um, and then two, I, I write a column for worth.com, worth magazine called ask a bad bitch investor, ABBI. So it's like dear Abby, but with an I. And so that article has just come out on crypto investing. So I've just started that column. And so there's an angel investing one, there's a crypto investing one. So any questions you have, definitely first read that article and check out, like I, I outlined the basics of why it's important for women to get involved, how you can get started, what are some popular exchanges and wallets you can use, and then the best strategy for investing in 
alternative tokens, not just Bitcoin. And then if you are interested in joining live, I'm hosting a Bad Bitch Bitcoin Bootcamp um, in February. And so you can sign up in the link below um, in the show notes. And uh, that will be a community of all of women who are all curious, crypto curious, wanting to learn. And we'll go step by step through the basics and get you to start investing in your first Bitcoin. Amazing. Super exciting. And I do hope the listeners of this podcast take advantage of that. And so Lisa, thank you so much for coming on today. So before I let you go, I'd love to ask you one last innovation question. And that is, where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? So myself and my industry. Okay. So one month from now, the Bad Bitch Empire is officially launched, so you'll be able to check out the podcast episodes talking about body boundaries, bank account, uh, no bullshit motivation, and just getting you ready for the day and owning your power. A year from now, I see myself actively investing in some of the top crypto projects. So I'm investing in infrastructure and interoperability. So that's that's like the the tech plumbing underlying all of the things, the hype that we're seeing. And that's that's really where the developers are now. So I'll be investing actively um, in those. I think that there's so much potential right now and momentum with the NFTs, uh, NFT projects that women are creating. It's like every day there's going to be a new project coming out. So I think we'll start to see women investing more and more in those projects. And um, I'm excited to see like what the future of funding looks like. I think I think the way venture capital is thought of will already be changed significantly by the end of the year, especially as DAOs, um, decentralized autonomous organizations, start uh, growing in momentum too. So last year was the year of the NFTs. I think this year will be year of the DAOs um, as, as more and more people start building organizations without central authority. And uh, 10 years, I will be in my 40s. Well, one, I'm freezing my eggs this month, so I'm excited for that. (laughs) Amazing. And I'm actually going to be documenting my journey through it because I think that's another area that's complete lack of transparency. There's also a lot of shame around it. I've, as I've talked to more women, apparently it's like, you know, this feeling of like, I failed somehow because I haven't found some one, like, I'm just super excited about my career and where I'm going right now. And I just... I'm not at that point in my life where I am ready uh, nor want to. And I think that that's also something to be just as proud of as a woman. So everyone having their own choice. So I think, you know, the bad bitch empire will be alive and kicking. And I think at that point, I'd love to have, you know, a bad bitch token or NFT or bad bitch DAO where women are investing in other women's projects. And, um, you know, my book will be out by then and hopefully empowering you know, millions of women and translated to multiple languages. So I think, uh, I don't know, I'm excited for it and we'll see how everything turns out. So, so amazing. So many insights and nuggets just in that last bit. Uh, Super excited to have this community engage with you and all of the amazing things you're doing. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself. Zoya Kozakov. 
If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.